this week on the exclamation mark podcast farewell saturo iwata no dlc for pc users until arkham knight developers can figure out all the riddler puzzles we talk about the sweet movie trailers and teasers unveiled at san diego comic-con Bo gets banished to a pioneering lifestyle while crofton gets his extreme sports on this week's dialogue tree is about steam early access are consumers properly educated about what they are actually buying all that and more coming up in 30 seconds on exm the podcast whose extra lives contain no artificial flavors or additives you're now listening to the exclamation mark Mark Podcast, the podcast whose extra lives contain no artificial flavoring or additives. We're an organic podcast. Um, my name is Crofton Steers. I am one of your two journeymen about to embark on this quest of video game discovery that we do each and every week. You would think at one point we would run out of questing, but apparently not. Uh, with me, as always, is my loyal co-host, the Samwise to my Frodo, Bo Schwartz. Uh, hello hello there, uh, Crofton. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. Uh, my mind is drawing a blank on anything clever Samwise, except, uh, come on, Mr. Steers, we have to keep going. You can't give up now. we got to get to Mordor. Um, you know, some people consider Sam to be the hero of the Lord of the Rings. Yes, absolutely. Where would he, where would Frodo be? And where would the world be? We wouldn't even be alive now. This, you know, in our history, we've had some great struggles, and the struggle for Mordor was one of them that happened in Europe, right? You know, <laughs> you joke, you joke, but J.R.R. Tolkien actually wrote the because he felt that the uh, British did sort of mythology and history, so he was sort of creating a fictitious one. I am a huge nerd. Yes. Uh, apparently, uh, Bo. How many bosses going... died to confirm that fact? Yeah, many <laughs> um, How are you doing, Bo? I'm doing very good. I'm super excited to be doing uh, another episode of the Exclamation Mark Podcast. Like uh, podcasting is like my favorite thing to do, so I'm glad we're here doing it. Um, I I've a... had a. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, nope, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, I had a, I've had a pretty good day, too. It's been like summer. It's super nice around here. I went to swimming with my infant daughter at one of the wading pools. It turns out that uh, that uh, you, if you have a kid, you don't look like a giant creeper when you're in one of those pools. So it was pretty awesome going uh, going with her, and it was really hot. And then we, we had all sorts of summer foods today, like strawberry shortcakes and watermelon and burgers. And just feel like it's been a fun day. Nothing caps off a great day like a nice podcast with my old buddy Bo. Well, you know, know what, what else? That was Irish. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what else uh, caps off a, a great day is lying in bed with your smartphone reading a great blog entry. And Crofton, yet again this week, you uh, you outdid yourself. I'm actually really impressed with the level of you know uh, attention that you put into the blog post because it isn't like some kind of clickbaited article that's two paragraphs long. So Crofton has a new question mark blog up on the addictiveness 
on the intentional addictiveness of certain games that are that you know that are developed by big companies and how there there are moral questions that they're not held to account for and um it's a really good you know editorial i recommend it's, it it's funny thank you both first off it's nice to know that one other person is reading it i always get i always i'm like at least bo will read it but uh it's uh you can so if you're listening to this and you haven't read it, if you go to the exclamation mark website, uh, exmpodcast.com, we have a section devoted to the question mark blog, which is my blog. And I did one just to extrapolate on the dialogue tree we had last week, where we talked about um, some of these moral questions raised by current video game design in the triple A and mobile spaces. And I was interesting doing it. I'm trying to I'm trying to get the the blogs out there more because I want to hear what people think. So if you have any comments about it, uh, please write into us. I would love to get feedback both on on the blog itself and uh, on what you think about the topic. So thanks again, Bo. That was nice of you. Yeah. Well, you know, it really spoke to me. I don't think it's going to fix me yet, but uh, you know, psychological Except- problems have never really been solved by blog posts. So let's keep our <laughs> expectations in check. <laughs> That's that's true. Yeah. That should be a T-shirt. <laughs> that should be psychological problems were never resolved by blog posts. Uh, I buy it. Oh man. Okay. Um, so, anyways, we have this little thing that we do on the show called the Readme Doc TXT, and it before we begin, some sounds have to happen. I love the sound. So, kicking off the kicking off the readme.txt, we have some sad news for all you Nintendo fans and for this gentleman's family. Um, uh, <laughs> well, I'm sure they know by now, but <laughs> uh, I gotta stop laughing. It's That's not horrible. It's not funny. Saturo Iwata of Nintendo passes away at 55, which is much too young, uh, and um, he was a beloved, I think, representative. Uh, of the Nintendo brand in recent years. Um, some I've seen articles online equivocate him to like a, a Steve Jobs type character or person that uh, affected a lot of people and that a lot of people ad- have admired uh, from Nintendo. Um, I don't know too much about this guy, to be honest. Uh, you'll have to fill me in a little bit, Crofton. Well, part of the reason you might not know him so much is is he's been an executive only in the post-GameCube years of Nintendo. Um, so he was the one that ushered in a lot of the craziness that Nintendo is known for. Now, I would say the bold and innovativeness, the the Wiis and the, the DSs and the uh, touchscreens. The, the mobile uh, controller, that's pretty mo- innovative motion motion controls all that yeah. sort of stuff he was he he was a creator though and uh, he was a, a programmer uh, along with Shigeru Miyamoto he's one of the first uh, the, he was the first person Nintendo was founded by a, a Japanese family whose name escapes me now and it was always the head of Nintendo was always a member of that family and he was the first person not a member of that family to be the head of Nintendo and uh, he's had he's experienced remarkable highs and rem- and lows as as the head of Nintendo. The Wii boom is unprecedented, and, and they're having some struggles now with the Wii U. But he always brought a level of energy and excitement um, to Nintendo products, to their press conferences, to everything. He apparently like he he 
clearly as a game designer, and not all executives of game companies are game designers, had a lot of passion for the product. So in an industry that is young, in an industry that has seen very few deaths of prominent prominent figures i think he's hitting uh his passing is hitting uh, pretty hard i think for nintendo fans only sigero uh, miyamoto himself would would have a a bigger impact but these are they're the two sort of heads of nintendo in terms of in terms of what we draw from our childhood and stuff people in their mid-30s and such like us we grew up with nintendo and we grew up with games to designed by both Iwata and, and, and Miyamoto. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sad for sure. It really seems sudden. I had no idea he was in bad health. Yeah, well, I guess that's sort of the deal with, uh, I mean, people in their 50s, you know, you don't really expect, uh, you don't really expect them to pass away. And so I think there was some indication that there was some health problems, but um, I don't know. It does come as a shock. I know everyone found it to be a shock to, uh, with Steve Jobs as well, so, um, but we're gonna get to that point in the next decade or so where, you know, people we know from the gaming world, like uh, Game Newell comes to mind, even you know Cliff Blazinski, George John Romero, um, the ID dude, which the name is working at Oculus uh, now. I forget John Carmack. There you go. There are names that we've known for decades that you know their day will come. And, um, you know, these will be news items. But you're right in pointing out that the video game industry is so young that it's like, I don't know. You, it happens with rock stars all the time, but rock and roll has been around for a while. Uh, but video games certainly have a, a level of popularity and a community that this will affect, too. And um, so that's and it's younger, point. And they're younger executives. They tend to be younger executives. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, I don't know if you have anything more to add on that. No. All right. So uh, let's uh, move on to the next item. Uh, Batman Arkham Knight Batgirl DLC being de developed by the creators of Arkham Origins and not coming to PC until problems are fixed. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Batman nerd, and I still haven't played Arkham Knight because I'm, I'm still playing The Witcher. But I will say that, uh, that this is part of sort of – there's two aspects to this that kind of get my goat. Uh, one one is the ongoing PC problems. I've noticed on Steam now that they're saying like the next re-release, if you will, uh, is going uh, of of the game is going to be in the fall. So people have to wait for quite a long time uh, to get to get their hands on it. And secondly, the the fact that the game that the Batgirl content is part of this so season pass that got so much criticism due to its price and them not announcing what was included as part of the season's pass before putting it on sale. And um, I think like the fact that Rocksteady is not the company developing the content, not that there's like I, as previous episode show, I like Arkham Origins. I'm one of the few people that think it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but still, it is a little bit of a bait and switch to be like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is not at all being developed by the same production house. So you've you, they, you, they've got your season's past money. They told you they tell you something, but they just don't give you all the information. That kind of grinds my gears. Yeah, I, I agree with you. All right. So um, moving on, San Diego Comic-Con was this weekend. And uh, so this is not really video game related, but it's definitely uh, tickled our our fancy. Um, so we're going to talk about what I, what I was originally intending was like, let's talk about the movie trailers that relate to game franchises. Um, notably Warcraft had a trailer, 
which was not shown. There was a Star Wars trailer. Um, and Star Wars kind of counts because uh, they've bought their way into the video game, like, uh, to, into being like a video game franchise with the sheer countless, uh, endless numbers of titles, Star Wars titles there are. Um, so I, I felt like maybe we could talk about those two at the very least. Yeah, for sure. Let's we can talk about some San Diego Comic Con stuff. Not there wasn't much in video games, but uh, the only thing I saw in video games was that Marvel um, is. They, and it, it wasn't even an announcement. They they answered a question by saying at one of their pressers by saying that they're going to be making an announcement with regards to more quality focused console games in the future. So right now you've got like games like Bat- the Batman Arkham games. You've got robust, say, DC hero games and Marvel has kind of been – MIA in the console gaming space. So I've wanted some, like these giant tentpole Marvel films that are coming out, I've wanted some sweet games to go with them. But for whatever reason, they've they have not been seen. So maybe they've been biding their time and they're gonna they're gonna announce something in the future. But they reacted well to that question saying that saying like, where are the games? And they said that they're coming. So that's about the only piece of real notable gaming news. It's funny that that's the case because I still remember a time when a video game adaptation of, you know, of a movie was generally like odds are like 90 to 95%. It was going to be a giant pile of crap. And I would say the quality, like the interoperability of, of video game releases versus movie releases versus comics. Like I think the, that industry has gotten more savvy. So the general quality of the game's, are often better now like they're getting better at making these things it's still like i'm i still feel like i still have that i carry that with me and maybe it's as an older gamer where it's like i don't want video game movie things but that's personal it, but i think right there's that. there's there's a difference though between video game movie things and video game comic things and i think that that's where batman has has made the difference in in the DC world, whereas instead of tying with the release of the Dark Knight Rises or the Dark Knight or whatever, they they put out the games when they were ready and they were based on Batman and not necessarily the films. And uh, e- even even though like Spider Man has had a couple of of shit games, and I love Spider Man to to go with his past few movie outings, that's a so that was under Sony's sort of direction. I'm I'm thinking like. And what we're, I think, hoping to see is some some games that are designed much like the the Marvel Ultimate Alliance and X Men Legends games were designed to be games and not necessarily to correlate with a movie launch, right? Like Marvel Heroes, because Marvel well, Heroes is its own game. But every time there's a new movie, there's a new hero from the movie getting like Ant Man's coming out soon, and so is Blade. But see, Marvel Heroes, Marvel is making tons of money in the in 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 both in in Marvel Heroes and the mobile space, and both are kind of like heavy loaded with microtransactions. They're just money making machines. They're not necessarily, I you know, they're not. You you wouldn't put them in the same conversation as a game like Batman Arkham Knight. Like one will be talked about at the Game of the Years, and the others will be talked about uh, in most lucrative games of the year you know so it, I f- it's tough. i feel like rocksteady could have picked any ip and like the reason why those arkham knights are good is thanks to the company that made the game as like i don't 
Do you think there could be one for every single Marvel here, like an Iron Man game? Well, I, and, uh... I definitely, I definitely think that the concept of each hero lends lends themselves generally well to video games, and it's just a matter of of getting a team to adapt them properly. Yes, I agree with Rocksteady and Batman, and and I find find people are going a bit nuts. They're like, okay, Rocksteady should do Superman next, or Wonder Woman, or do a, J- a Justice League game, or whatever. The thing is, is they have no proven track record of handling anyone other than Batman super well. I'm not saying that they would be they wouldn't be able to. I'm just saying like that was a great mix. They hit it out of the park on Batman. Um they need to find some more of those perfect developer uh superhero combinations. Like someone out there can make a friggin' amazing Spider-Man game. Spider-Man is like the perfect character for a video game, but you just you just need to make that connection, give them the time, give them the money, um, and and somebody can and it will sell like crazy. There's tons of people that would love to play a great this, this might be make a good dialogue tree at some point in the future, but the reason why I also feel like Batman works is because he's a man. Like a lot of the video games forget, like they, the whole point of superheroes is they have this magic ability to circumvent the normal laws of the world to beat people up. Whereas, like when I play Batman, even though I've got all my gadgets, like, the fighting is still like I'm a dude fighting another dude. There's, I don't have like a big laser ray that comes out of my chest if I, you know. There's a certain level of like what really makes that game tick for me is the fact that like I'm just a really well trained human being. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But I, I don't yeah, mean to be skeptical, that, but yeah. But that's an appeal of you of the character. Like that yeah. you like Batman. But Batman, it's hard to make if you explain a video game designer, yeah, you're gonna make a, a guy about a guy who's a uh, video game about a guy who's good at fighting and has a gadget belt. Like, I mean, it's it's much less there's much less tools in the arsenal than if you say you're gonna make a video game about a guy with superpowers and those superpowers allow him to fly to do this sort of you know like there's just more he, batman appeals to you because the character appeals to you uh but in rock said he nailed the gameplay but that's it's much harder to get a character like batman right you would think who has not much in the way of like stuff uh Compared to a guy like Superman who has very visually appealing powers, but people have found it much more difficult to make a game for Superman, or at least there hasn't been a, a great hit yet. Prior to Batman Arkham, though, there wasn't – Batman was known for shit games as well. So It's true. It's true. So. We just need somebody to hit it out of the park. So good on Marvel for at least like if they're going to invest money and time, like they put so much into their movies, put some of it into the games, man. I want to play some good. I want to play an awesome Captain America game. I want to play an awesome Spider-Man game, X-Men game, you name it. So Actually, Cap would be a good analog for that. He's super. He's a super guy, but he doesn't have – when I think of like Superman, I'm like, how could that game ever be good? I just – I'm supposed to be able to do everything I want to beat everything except for like Kryptonite. But – you know, Captain America, he's just got a shield. You got it's kind of a skill shot. There's, I think there'd be Captain America game. They made, sounds interesting. They me. actually made a Cap game to tie. It was one of the last movie tying games that tied in with the first Captain America movie, and it uses the Batman Arkham combat. It generally got pretty good reviews, like oh, seven, seven out. out of ten. I think it's console exclusive, so you'll never play it. <laughs> well then, all right. Um, so we talked about some of the video game stuff. Uh, did you watch the Star Wars highlight reel? Because that's big enough to be worth mentioning. I, we talked about it la- Star Wars last week on Good, Bad, or Bullshit, I think to some acclaim. 
Um, and, uh, you know, right after we did that episode, there was like new stuff. And uh, I got to be honest, some of that new stuff I found very, I was very, it made me giddy. I was very excited by it. What's something that made you excited? Um, so there's a scene uh, with um, like a, like an animatronic alien and sort of a young, very vicious looking woman sort of sitting com- comfy together. I think they may even be background characters. I, I don't know. But just that, um, you know, we were talking about that, like that, that was done without, there's no CG on that on that alien the aliens fully created from scratch and was moving and emoting very subtly but still i was like oh those look cool like i yeah thought it was cool you know and um so mainly like little things like that when they show you know the animatronics in particular i kind of felt you know just like oh yeah okay like there's not i'm not going to go into this movie and see a fully animated dude or something like that in this movie um, what about the what about the announcement that the next because uh, that's a small thing just seeing these sure these, but like a big announcement is there's going to the next sort of anthology film after Star Wars Rogue One will be a young Han Solo movie. What's your take on that? Um, I it's mixed. So part of the Star Wars deal is I like that the universe is shrouded in mystery, like Mike was saying on the last episode. Uh, explaining things takes the magic out of it. You know, you want some level of mystery so that we can endow our own imagination onto the, you know, what came before. Um, that being said, the MCU has done a, even though I haven't loved every single movie, I'd say overall their movies have been above standard, have been really good and worth watching. And if this is the approach they're taking, I'm, I think I'm okay with above Wait, what standard movies. And Wait, not necessarily great movies. but you're talking about two different things here. One's Marvel and one's Star Wars. But it's, the, the, I think the, I think the analog here is that they're both Disney owned now, and so yeah, but somebody there is going. Different. People are running. Different people are running each one. They're I both know. owned by the same property. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you. As soon as I saw that announcement of the Star Wars Han Solo movie, I was like, this is exactly what I was worried about, and uh, and uh, I'm like, any movie that I have to watch that may affect my enjoyment of the movies that I already love. That makes me, that's why I hold such a grudge against the prequels, but like this is taking a character. Like if you accept the, in your heart and mind, this new Han Solo as canon, um, then when you watch the new hope and he's introduced in the cantina and all that, then you know this stuff. It affects how you view that movie, and it. And I just, I just feel like there's been nothing shown to me that says they're not going to screw that up. And I can't, I can't see them getting anybody but like some new Hollywood hotness to replace Harrison Ford. And that's going to be – I mean Harrison Ford was already pretty young in 1977 during the first first Star Wars. And uh, the whole point of, of that first Star Wars, like his character arc in that is he's a jaded scoundrel. Like Han shot first. That's what everybody loves to say to show – because by him shooting first, it shows that character arc whereas at the end he saves Luke and all that. So, I mean, it feels like what sort of arc is he going to have in a prequel film? Like he's a, he starts Star Wars Episode Four as a douchebag. So, I mean, that means that he's going to be a, 
anyway, a douchebag at the beginning and ending of his prequel film? Or are they going to have him have an arc in that film? Anyway, I, I, I have doubts. It, may, it set off alarm bells. I'm like, oh, no. I think, I think that's a good point. I think, I think that's what I mean, where I'm just like, it's happening. I can either have a crap attitude about it or... That's my attitude. But or it's go, go in with, like, you know, hope, hope for the best, I suppose. A new hope. <laughs> an old hope. Which is that you know Disney or some other big company won't ruin a beloved franchise. That's 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 an old hope. <laughs> Anyways, did you, did you get my pun? I, I I feel like I'm I'm gonna have to explain it. Yeah, you might you might yeah. A I new don't. hope. It's the name of episode four. Right. Okay. No, I got that. Yeah, that's why I said an old hope. Um. Okay. Okay. I'm lost. Anyways. Um. Also, there was a Warcraft trailer. And I didn't see it because it was closed off because of one I of those it was one of those deals. But that. on uh, there was an article on the I want to say it's The Verge where one of the guys uh, drew it in a notepad, <laughs> like in a notebook. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I would never read that. Good enough. Thing, you know? um, yeah. So I was like, oh, I can see how this is going to be amazing. Um, I can just imagine. But also there was um, a VR trailer actually released. This was publicly released by Legendary Pictures. It's very brief, and it's it's not intended for your Oculus. It's intended for the uh, Google Cardboard that you put on your phone. But you don't need to have the cardboard. You can just watch the video, and it's ba- and it works on your phone. It's like full you know degree of freedom moving around with your phone of of a, of a griffin flying over Stormwind, and it looks pretty awesome. I can't wait for the movie. So if you haven't checked that out, it's free. Just download the Legendary VR app and check out the little thing. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm super excited for the Warcraft movie. It's going to be the best thing ever, pretty much. Here's the thing: I I, I don't want to shit too much on, on the Warcraft movie, which we all we all know that that I'm not a huge fan of of Blizzard in general. But like the Warcraft, um, the the story of Warcraft and all that has never been one that truly uh, excites me. But that said, what what I find frustrating about this is that it seems like the video game to film track record sucks, okay? Most video games adapted to film are garbage. And this movie, although I don't give a shit about Warcraft, seems to have a fairly good pedigree and could be the exception to the rule. So I find that I find that frustrating that it's a property that I'm not super interested in. I'm glad for you. Um, but I, but have, it, have it you is always, frustrating for me. Even if you're not a big fan of Blizzard games, have you? You've been a respecter of the Blizzard cinematic, right? Like they, oh, they're generally yes. cool. So I've right. heard reports that this is as close to getting a cinematic and full movie version is with real life actors. But there's a real big blend of CG and real life actors that has never really been seen before. Like this sort of. I don't know. There's something something new to the, the way this is done, but it could be total crap. I don't know, but that's got me hyped because Blizzard cinema. Even if you never play Blizzard game, the cinematics are all right. Like they're it's usually true. pushing technological boundaries and doing something really cool. Uh, so you know, except for Overwatch, although I'm sure it pushed it in some ways. That came across as like a a Pixar movie, really. But uh, so the last the last thing we should discuss on San Diego Comic Con is yeah. in, in again not video game related. Um, whereas Marvel's kicking DC's, uh, or sorry, DC's kicking Marvel's ass in video games, Marvel is kicking DC's ass in movies, and uh, they're trying to DC's trying to build a, a cinematic universe of its own. 
And to that effect, it's got starting with Man of Steel. It started this new ongoing cinematic universe. And they had two films with trailers. Um, one was Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice or Batman v Superman. Uh, my bad. Uh, they changed that name. And the other is Suicide Squad. Uh, Bo, your thoughts? Um, so the Batman versus Superman trailer was way better than expected for me. I, you know, I, along with everyone else, is like, oh, Ben Affleck's going to be Batman. And, um, you know, uh, they, they saw the teaser and I was like, what the hell is up with that Batman get up? But in this new trailer, you see that Batman has two suits. So there's some sort of progression that takes him to the new robo suit, which I have. A lot of people are kind of down on Zack Snyder all the time. You always see that Zack Snyder's movies are so whatever. But I've always enjoyed his movies, even if I didn't love them, including Man of Steel. I enjoyed, you know, so the very fact that this is exactly what I was talking about in the video game realm. where like Batman makes an interesting video game for me because he's a dude where Superman can just do whatever. I feel like this is like, you know. I guess Lex Luthor's also falls in this camp, but it's like it's like the ultimate mashup of unkillable godlike being versus regular men who have a concern that such a being can exist in the first place. I'm really hyped about what I've seen in the movie. Um, the only thing I'm not super hyped about is Wonder Woman. I just not interested in that character, but I know a lot of people like her. Uh, but it looks badass. The trailer looks. The red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, Okay, I'm going to go against I'm the grain on stoked. this. I've been cranky this whole episode, and I don't want to go on too long about this because I want to get back to games, but I am really not impressed by either. The one thing I will say is I'm impressed a bit by, by um, Ben Affleck, who I think even I was kind of like, oh, Ben Affleck's Batman. From the clip... He looked good. He looked um, he looked good both as Batman and Bruce Wayne. So I was I was happy about that. Everything else I don't like the looks of, and uh, I don't like the, the tone. I think DC is too self serious. I had this issue with Man of Steel. It looks to continue here. Uh, Superman. Somebody forgot to tell him how to smile. Um, maybe it's because I was brought up on the Christopher Reeve type Superman. Uh, I just, it just looks too grim. The colors are too muted. It, it looks, um, it draws from Batman, the dark Knight returns, which I love, uh, but that was an elsewhere's world's tale of an older Batman and a Superman that works for the government. And like to bring, to bring all that into the mainstream continuity, I don't know. I, I, it looks, it looks kind of like a depressing superhero movie and it looks like they're biting off both this and Suicide Squad. It looks like they're biting off too much too soon. Instead of introducing these characters in their own films or whatever, they're just like – they're doing the opposite of Marvel. They're like, OK, let's throw them all into one or two movies and then we'll try and spin them off from there. See, the Suicide Squad that, – and I would say that about Suicide Squad where I'm like, oh, this is like the Expendables for superheroes. <laughs> Right. That's just like the Expendables are notorious for being shit movies that get their sales only because they have big name, a a cavalcade of big name draws. Like, and so, okay, Will, I'm like, oh yeah, Will Smith is in this movie? Like, that's like, he's a big, you have to pay him a lot, I'm pretty sure, to be in your movie. So why is he in, because why would he be in this pile of trash? 
it's um, not it's not necessarily a pile of trash like but it's it's definitely a movie where like like okay they did the suicide squad in an episode of arrow uh the tv show and uh the and, movie actors no no they they just built it up over time like they had different character you know deadshot was played by a different guy not will smith or whatever they're they're making this movie in the cinematic universe it's not the same as their television universe okay. as as if things weren't confusing enough but at least in Arrow, they introduced villains as villains. Then they got apprehended, and eventually they got they formed the Suicide Squad. And this, like Harley Quinn's in there, Killer Croc. These are Batman villains, but villains that he's never fought on the big screen. Uh, and all of a sudden, they're they're trying to they're trying to introduce them as essentially heroes or as part of this heroic team. Um, I just again, it, it feels like they're going about this the wrong way the tone looks a little better for me than batman versus superman but still i'm not uh, neither of those movies um i'm too excited about before it sounds like i'm shitting on everything i will go see these movies like <laughs> i am a, i am a, i am a fan of them and and i'm a fan of the characters and that's why i just want to see them done justice and i think Zack snyder that the the criticism he gets both for Watchmen and for a lot of the other movies he, he did, is he's too sort of like he's too fanboyish, and in, and in sort of trying to capture and show a fanboy moment, he may lose the greater meaning uh, and that sort of thing. So I, anyway, we'll we'll see we'll see how it it turns out. There's a lot to, a lot to get the fanboys talking though. But I know everything I've heard about Batman v Superman is positive, like people excited about it. So I'm like against the grain on this. Like most yeah. people. Or like you, Bo, not like me. Yeah, that, I think that trailer was the the trailer was well done. I think Bo, well, Suicide Squad. See, I'm just like it looks like a giant pot turd to me, but um, so I'm cynical too. But the Batman versus Superman seems like a classic clash up, like that we sh- it's long overdue. Like we need like we need this movie, Batman versus Superman. We need this. This is a good storyline to be to be putting out there. And I would say that the Batman movies, the Christopher Nolan ones, have done so well in recent years. Like, they're, they're really good movies. We need to give, you know, we need to put Batman in a Superman movie in order to make it good, is what I'm trying to say. Just my opinion. Anyway, let's, um, let's, uh, you, I think that's it for our discussion of non-video games in the video game news section. Um, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to this. You're always talking about making kids' minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street, smoking pot. This is games per minute. How do you feel about cutting it off? Alright, uh, this is where we talk about the games we've been playing. Um, I actually played a non-Blizzard game this week, even though I played lots of heroes. Uh, I've played Banished. Um, so I talked about Banished a few weeks ago on the show. It's a simulator of pioneering life that is brutal and merciless. And... Um, you know, I, I should have known better. I downloaded it, installed it, and uh, next thing you know, I'm playing it. Um, That's generally but, how that goes. Yeah, sometimes you know, I install things all the time that I just never get around to, where I'm just like, oh, let me install it. But that game does something to me, man. It does something to me. So there are these unique achievements, and one, I, the one I got last night was one with nature, where you, you know, make a build a pioneering population of 400 without building any pastures or orchards or um uh like any crop farm fields Which sounds actually... like more more an achievement you get for peeing in the woods <laughs> well maybe um but it was hard and i got it and it was fun so i, I don't know 
And that's the best achievements, the achievements that add something to your game, that make you want to do something to get them, you know, something you might not do otherwise. Yeah, I feel like I, I'm sort of done with Banish, but every time there are the, the, the achievements really shouldn't be called achievements. They should, I don't know, they just add this weird sort of new nuance to the game that makes it, it's good enough to call me back, so... Yeah. That's cool. You're you, honestly, uh, that's a game that doesn't get a ton of attention, but I know that you have l- picked it up and put in sizable amounts of time on multiple occasions. So I know you've made it your recommendation before, but I feel like people should check it out. Uh, I enjoy that game Banish quite a bit, and if you get it on sale, it's not expensive. But buy it full price if you want to support the developers and you have the income. It's a good game. Uh, yeah, what have you been playing, dude? Um, well, okay, so I I think we both know the answer to this, but the thing was I've decided to kind of like not talk about The Witcher 3 this episode because I realized just I've heard from people that have been listening to the show and just the general talk around town is like, oh, Grovden going to talk about The Witcher again, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they're right. I, do t- I have talked about it a lot. It's a long game with a lot of content, so I'm – so I'm still playing it. I still haven't even moved on to the islands of Skellige, which is the last section. Skellige. So, so, so I will be, I will be, um, I will be talking about it again for sure. Uh, so I wanted to just take a, a time to talk about the last uh, sort of non-Witcher three game I was playing, uh, which is, uh, which has had a sequel already. It's called Ollie Ollie, and uh, but you might not is know that this. Like but... Ollie Ollie Austin free? No. Okay. Uh, but uh, nice try. Uh, so okay, you might not know this about me, Bob, but I have a soft spot for 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 um, extreme sports games, uh, and uh, and the, yeah, like um, the first like, Tony, uh, snowboarding and stuff. Tony Hawk snowboarding. It started with like. 1080 snowboarding on on Nintendo 64 and uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1, 2, and 3 on PlayStation 1 and 2. Those those games, as well as the Jet Set Radio, uh, Jet Set Radio Future, um, those those games all kind of like they. I don't know why they appeal they appeal to me. I don't want them to be realistic. I want them to be ridiculous and uh, and and uh, they often are and it's, it's super fun. So. In recent years, I've kind of like not been into the, those games as much, mostly because there hasn't been really a good one that's come out that's that's attracted my attention. But I downloaded this game, Ollie Ollie, and it's an independent. Uh, it's sort of like an indie game, uh, and and it used to be only on the PlayStation Vita, but now they you can get it for your uh, you can get it for pretty much anything. I can get it on my Nintendo 3DS, I think now. Yeah. I, I you can get it on your your PlayStation or whatever. I'm not sure if it's on PC. Uh, but Ollie 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 is like it's just like it's like a challenge skateboard game. Um, it's in 2D and it has controls that like I thought I hated at first. Like I played it at first. I was like, oh, man, I got it on sale and I was like, I'm going to give this a try because I like this type of game. And I was playing it's pixel arty and all this and, I, and the, the music is pretty good and which it should be in a pro sport uh, extreme sports game. And then I would like I would bail all the time and I was like, oh, I just I, I can't get this. And and then all of a sudden it clicked and then it became like thumb candy. It's still really hard, and I can't, I can't finish it. And Ollie Ollie Two is out now, and supposedly that's like the Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two of the series, in that it adds like the manual, which is where you balance on the front of your board and you can string tricks together. So I'm, I'm excited to try, I'm excited to try that. But 
if you have a system that's able to play Ollie Ollie, I think in particular, if you had a portable system like a Vita or a, a 3DS, that game is really fun. Like the challenges, and each challenge has like, you know, five things that you need to do or whatever. Uh, and it's great. You pick it, you can pick it up for five minutes. You can pick it up. Sometimes I pick it up. I'm like, I'm just going to do a couple of runs to Ollie Ollie. And then it's like half an hour has gone by. It doesn't sound a lot, but like when each run is like, 30 seconds it's long enough so yeah anyway that's been uh i've been playing uh, uh that it provides a good counterbalance if you will to the hardcoreness of the witcher 3 no that's always good to have a casual game on the side to play i'm surprised that you're yours into the extreme sports uh, games as uh you are actually i know it's 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 weird it's like in you say they were bad on on our episode of good bad or bullshit that we did no i said extreme sports were bad yeah but extreme no, sports I, games, something I, I else. probably said they were bullshit. I, I, I feel like you I, came down on the negative side of it. I probably said they were bullshit, but, but I definitely, and I definitely, <laughs> I definitely feel that extreme sports video games though are like, they take the idea of an extreme sport and generally go ridiculous with it. Like the idea being, cause if you ever watch somebody try to do tricks in skateboarding, it is brutally painful. It is like, okay, guy tries to ollie. Then he tries a kickflip. Oh, screws it up. Screws it up again. Okay, then he gets it. Oh, he's going to try and grind something. Oh, he hit his crotch. You know, like, <laughs> it, it's generally always the same shit. But in Tony Hawk, it's just like you get everything. You land every trick. And then you pull these super grind backflips to grind, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's with, like, fire shooting out your skateboard. Like, I mean, it gets ridiculous. And that's what I like. I, I like it's over um, the top and video gaming. Yeah, I like the yeah. video. Is, is it free to play or how much is Ollie it? Ollie? Yeah. No, no. Ollie Ollie is um I don't know. It's I got it on sale for like really cheap, but you can get it on sale for really cheap. I think it's like 5 bucks. Hmm. It's a good it's a good it's a good game. All right. Well, you'll have to give that a recommendation sometime. Maybe I will. <laughs> Hello there, Bo here. Uh, just a quick little ad break to let you guys know about another great podcast that uh, is a part of our podcast family called Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Three guys, Bo, Michael, and Crofton, select a topic at random using the random topic generator and debate whether it's good, bad, or bullshit. If you like this, I know you'll like Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher or visit our site goodbadbull.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I'm going to return you to our regular programming of the Exclamation Mark podcast. All right. So that's the, those are the games we've been playing. We we're going to skip along now to uh, the forest of conversation we call the Dialogue Tree. Now that there's one fine Dialogue Tree. All right, welcome to the Dialogue Tree, where we talk about a subject that is of concern to us and hopefully to you gamers out there. This week, we're going to talk about early access, specifically Steam, because it's the only place I really know that has this kind of thing. But there are virtual early access um, sort of deals on things like Kickstarter and maybe probably Indiegogo, stuff like that. So this idea that you're investing in a product that may never get released in theory because it's still in development and hasn't seen release. Uh, so I'm going to give a bit of background on this, first of all. 
Um, I felt like I'm a big Steam user and a big fan of Steam. I have been over the years. And one of the first things to really eat at my goodwill with Steam was the day that early access became prevalent. There was a bunch of games I was interested in and clicked on them and watched trailers and wanted to buy. And then I saw this early access thing on it and said, so I'm not getting the whole game. I'm going to spoil my experience to get the game early. And there's no commitment on when the when it comes out. Now, I feel like if there's one or two of these like flagship early access things on a, on a platform like Steam, it's one thing. But now we live in a climate where literally one in two games is an early access game on my recommendation feed and all this kind of crap when I go to Steam. And I feel very, I feel like, I feel mistrustful of an early access, even even if from a good, big, a, a very prominent company, because we just don't know what's going to happen with it. So I feel like Steam is early access now, and that's not why I signed up to be a part of Steam. Um, so I'm very, uh, this is a very hot uh, topic for me, and there's no way to block all the early accesses either. Um, Crofton. So I've I, the only early access game. Hang on, the only early access games I bought into are Prison Architect and Daisy. One which I've played, the other which I haven't yet, because I'm an idiot and I bought Daisy because I thought I'd try it and just didn't never try it. Um, Crofton, have you ever bought any early access games? I yeah. bought one. One. Which one was it? It's called Starbound. Okay, has it released yet? No. And Star, which one's Starbound? Sorry, it's the. It's like ter- Terraria it's Minecraft a, type, except oh, in the space. Side, the side-scrolling, you know, recipe Pixel, yeah. open-world thing, which looks really fantastic. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Um, regrets. Uh regrets in that I don't really like the game, but not regrets on the state of it. Okay, so do you think that? Um, so let, let, let's start the conversation here. What do you think are the minimum qualifications for bringing a game to early access? I have a better question. Why don't you ask me what I think about early access? All right. What do you think about early access? Early access is hot garbage. I hate it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so my like to respond to your your opening sort of comments on it, uh, I think I think early access is really a sort of dangerous direction for the video game industry to go in. Things have been happening before with regards to games and development. Like there's been in, in the console space, there's been stuff like you could buy a game and get beta access to another game, right? Like, hey, buy Crackdown and you'll get Halo Three beta access. You yeah. know that that's so so that's already a little like it's it's being used as a sales incentive. You're not necessarily paying for beta access. But you're paying for something to get to get it. So it, it, it's already getting nebulous. But early access, it gets rid of that altogether. It sort of says, um, you give us money and you can play not even our beta version, our alpha version of a game. Like often games in sorry states and they'll say, they'll say, oh, it's alpha. You can't expect anything. It's alpha, but give us money. And they sort of defend themselves by saying, 
when the game is finished, you will get a full copy and it'll be more expensive when it comes out um, than the version that you're buying in early access. So in a way, you're getting a good deal. That's hot garbage bullshit. First off, almost all those games do not come out. Like I can think of games that have been in early access forever and are just raking in the cash. If anything, it just allows them to sort of ignore huge problems with their game. If Batman Arkham Knight had come out in early access on PC, everybody would be talking about how well polished it is for an early access game, right? Instead, instead people are shitting all over it because of the performance issues and they should. It's just that it the only difference is the branding. So it's I find I find it anyway, I find it really frustrating. But I, I'm with I'm with you on this. I think the world would be a better place if early access did not exist. Well, it seems like early access is there to give opportunities to companies like the people who may who are making Arkham Knight, they have to budget for it, so they have a certain lifeline. If they're gonna set aside fifty million to put together I don't know what the budget of a game is, but you know, they're going to set aside X amount of dollars to ensure a certain game pipeline in their business. That makes sense. Except if you and I want to make a game, we don't have $50 million or $20 million. Bank won't give us crap. So we go to the public and say, hey, we have this great game idea. Help us. You know, we have a certain a partial amount of the funds. We need early access to help get us there. So it's like, yes, you're paying money, but the alternative is the game doesn't get made and it's like well who cares you know if a tree falls in the forest does it make a sound no well that's and, that's and sort recent... of why i paid for starbound too right like starbound was like i'm like oh you know this looks like a kind of indie developer i want to support it right which is which is like to me what early access should be about except i think that's what we have sites like kickstarter for yeah and and they can offer access if they want but to be honest if i really think a game is cool and it takes my upfront money to get it done i don't want to play it it's not because i want to play it before launch because i don't want to be their beta tester i don't want to be spoiled like arkham knight a year before launch if i played it then what why would i want to play it when it launches and has all the features you know like i feel like there's a there, there in the gaming industry there is a method to how the hype launch and subsequent play during that time happens that that's important to gamers as much as it is for sales and and they're so you know the kinds of games that work well with early access are these kinds of sandbox games that don't have spoilers like arc is another one that just came out people love arc it's got no yeah, story it's like, number, it's like number one on steam right now or I, it sells like crazy i've seen some gameplay of it and it looks like fun there's some you can you take a poo in the woods and you can pick it up and put it in your inventory like why isn't it why isn't it finished why is it considered unfinished I, that i haven't looked into except that they have a a roadmap of all the features they want to have at launch and they're not there yet and but they see, need uh, funding to do it and 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 there's that's a, kickstarter right but there's a certain element this is where the marketing gets pernicious because there's a certain element of people playing the game also hype the game right like you get ambassadors for your game from them being in access of it so it's now because it's on early access arc is on twitch so i've watched it on twitch i've never played it but now it's in my psyche as a game and maybe at some point I lose my mind and buy it, <laughs> you know, like when it launches or at some point later on down the road. Well, the problem is because it's not like early access is any sign that it's coming out tomorrow. That if 
you know, if it was like, and I'm not saying it should be, but like if it was like, hey, play the game a week before it launches or whatever, that's one thing. But but when it's like, I'm going to pay for this game that may like, look at DayZ. It may never come out or like it just doesn't seem to come out. So you're seeing ARC right now and you mentioned last week about how all that marketing gets in your, you want to be hot for the game when it's out in public and everybody's talking about it. And if they're talking about the early access version, who knows, maybe that's the one you end up buying, right? Yeah. Um, I, th- I think I think with early access, like I just, I feel like it's this new world um, or this new way of, of, of introducing this kind of content because it's in my game store. Like, it's one thing to go somewhere to be an angel investor and to give money to something you love. I think I happen to think that the Kickstarter thing is amazing. But when I go when I go into early, when I go into Steam, when I go into a place where I buy video games or get free to play games to purchase goods and services, I feel like that's a very murky world for an online marketplace like Steam to have. And I hope. I don't think this is happening with like PlayStation or Xbox environments, and I certainly hope like. But they are. They talked about what is it? They talked about at E3. They talked about something like that. It was like PlayStation, something. Anyway, they're they're doing it on console because it's they're making money hand over fist. Yeah, well, there's like we're not. That's the thing is gamers are not incentivizing this kind of behavior right now. They're buying into it in droves because because the games are fun because there are good products out there. I mean, I don't. I don't think these things are bad. I just don't like them. I think they I require think a certain bad. environment. Like, like for example, if anyone from Steam is listening, put an early access button up top and throw shovel all that crap into early access so that I never have to look at it. And that might seem like a, I don't know, kind of complainy kind of thing. Like, you can just scroll past it. It's just, I don't want that to be a part of my my gaming experience period i want there to know there's a place where you can go and invest in games and i i don't want that in my like i don't care for it i won't and i won't help early access games the two that i did help i regret daisy i don't play and i I just got sucked into the hype and bought it and thought i'd try it and it didn't even try it once and honestly prison architect i like the idea but i didn't like the game and at the time i bought it i couldn't get a refund now I might have been able to get a refund for the, like the 10 minutes I play it. Um, but, you know... It, All right. I, I'm going to jump in and say a couple of things here. Like, yeah. I'm looking at the uh, the top 10 Steam list uh, of top sold games. Right now, two of those games, Ark Survival Evolved and H1Z1, are early access games. Two of your top 10 best-selling games. Um and that to me is ridiculous. And I have never met anybody that talks about how they love these games, these early access games. But yet I, I know a lot of people like me that think they're hot garbage. But even me, somebody who just bitched about them has bought one. Now, I will never buy another one again. It's not – I bought it at the time where I didn't really even know what early access was and I was just kind of getting getting used to it. I will definitely like I'm I'm categorically ideologically against this and I have a, a lot of restraint when it comes to making purchases. So I really um as soon as I see early access I'm not going to buy it. However, what's frustrating for a person like me is no matter how much I do that, Ark Survival Evolved is still number 2 on Steam and uh and I find that uh, really frustrating because it means that other people are just being like who gives a shit? I can play this game early. 
uh, and there's dinosaurs in it. Uh, and and uh, it, it sort of like dilutes the whole quality approach to gaming. And so anyway, I, I, I – uh, I find it I find it frustrating. I know Steam has t- said due to a series of mishaps that they're going to be putting some sort of restrictions or controls on it. But the, I just don't even get whose idea it was to begin with and why oh, they came up with that idea. We know who the progenitor of all this was. It's Minecraft. Minecraft like I bought Minecraft years and years ago when it was version 0.2. It wasn't, wasn't on Steam. It, wasn't it a donate to donate? No, no, you buy the game, but you get all future updates free. And it wasn't till years later that Badoom version 1 finally came out. Now they didn't make a big deal. The thing is that it was all indie done. You go to minecraft.com or whatever and play, you pay through PayPal. Like it's all it was all very not super corporate or you know it's all very indie but that that model is effectively what's there and you see that those top games like arc and all those uh, rust is another one i think the island they look cool they have that sandbox feel they're all doing the early access thing you know like there's clearly like oh hey that guy did really well let's try this business model and I think it's working. Like, that's the sad part. And I, they do have an early access section in Steam. But I find it's constant. like, it, I'm constantly getting advertised for early access games. And I'm done with it. I'm done. I'm happy that there are people out there who enjoy that kind of thing. But for the most part, I think companies who are charging money need to be held to account for what they're releasing. Um, and if you want to play the investor game of, yeah, I want to buy this game, but I also want to support the company financially, and I'm willing to accept the risk of the game being crappy at launch, of not existing, uh, Sean Blur offline in the chat says, there was a game called The Stomping Land, um, and I'm not sure if that's the one I'm thinking of too, but there was a game recently on Steam that said, sorry, we're not releasing the game. All you people that paid, your money's gone. There's, you know, here's some free copies of some other game that we made a while ago. I think they gave up to like four free copies per person. But sorry, guys, you're screwed. That's what you get when you get into early access. That's what happens to investors. Consumer, you don't go to Walmart and say, hey, I'm going to buy a 24 pack of toilet paper, buy it, and then get to your car. And they're like, actually, we weren't finished developing. So you really only get like, you know, three rolls and here's a coupon for cereal. You know, like. Well, the Stomping Land is – it was also a Kickstarter thing too. And it is funny because it's another survival. It's another survival. This one has like dinosaurs. The three types are zombies, survival, dinosaurs. It's like a Venn diagram and you got to see which two connect. So you got like, OK, zombies survival, dinosaur survival. If it's, right now, I just came up with an idea. Zombies you ride dinosaurs to kill zombies and it's a survival game. That's all three together. Just I'm just going to release it in early access right now. I have no graphics or screenshots. I'll write up or write up and, and <laughs> they'll just give me money because honestly, that's what people want to play. There's clearly these hot trends. I just wish somebody could make uh, a polished game in those in those areas like uh, as opposed to putting out these like crapshoot development games and 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 uh, Daisy is the worst of the lot in my mind it's the worst because it was a mod to a game that was in development and being tweaked forever and then they just kept like they just kept like updating it and doing all sorts of shit until they released a standalone version and that standalone version was like uh 
early access. I thought I was waiting to play that game for the standalone version, and now it's just been early access forever. So I've come to terms with the fact that I will never play Daisy, and when it does come out, I'll probably die immediately because there's people who have played it for like ten years. So, yep. So, um, do you have anything to say on the state of early access? Well, I was going to add that. Um... You know, I think that there needs to be early access needs to be, you know, if Steam is going to be a vendor that people trust that and, you know, they're making strides to have returns on, they need the early access thing needs to be put somewhere else or put under some special rules or something like that, because they are being advertised as regular games and to have a game pull out is bad. And, um, you know, the other issue is that like like in the DayZ example, uh, yeah, they think you know, it seems like like they were on that PC gamer panel and they were like, uh, we're going into beta now. And it's just a little bit like, I don't know. I don't trust it. A running joke. Yeah. Like yeah. who cares? Like there are companies out there who make games who don't have to pander to people about, Oh, we're going into beta. And don't worry. There really is a game. And you know, yeah. like, like, that's the standard. So you guys look like idiots when you go and do this stuff. Now I'm all for this development, but when you put yourself in a position where you've you've promised a game, I don't know. I think that's Wait, what are you all for? You're all for the development. I'm all for like Kickstarters. Like I'm all for indie development and I'm all for supporting like I love this movement. <laughs> it early access, they're sold like final products. A buy at your own risk final products. I find it very I find it very tenuous. I think they need to, specifically Steam needs to sort that out because I don't like the two, way it's done. two thumbs down to early access. Yeah. yeah. If if you like early access or have had great early access experiences, we would like to uh, we would like to hear about it. You can either write into the show or whatever. Twitter us. Is that what the kids do? Um, but uh, but yeah, because I'm sure there's there's people that buy these games and have had good experiences, uh, but you always tend to hear about the bad ones. And I'm I'm against I'm against them. But like, uh, uh, I mean, there could be other reasons that we haven't thought of of why they're popular. So. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to something new now that we've, you know, talked about Steam early access for a while. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, some other kinds of access. <laughs> Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. All right, this is inventory management where we make recommendations on whether a given game or release is something you should spend your cash on or vendor trash. And it's clever because we rhymed there. <laughs> All right, Crofton, uh, what's your recommendation this week? My recommendation is, and I'm going deep this week. This is a deep cut here. Uh, and I thought about it because I was on Games, GameSpot for some reason. I forget what it was. But anyway, it was it was included in a Games uh, GameSpot article. And I remember seeing this game and being like, man, that was an awesome game. Okay, don't laugh at me. It's called Astro Boy Omega Factor. And it's for the Game Boy Advance. Man, this sounds like a bad game. <laughs> it's a good I know. <laughs> did you ever watch Astro Boy as a kid? I like did. The anime? Yeah. yeah, when I was a young guy, I liked Astro Boy. Um, yeah, but you me know, too. I'm like, 
I'm an adult now, and like I say that, but like I like to watch Star Wars. I love all the nerdy shit, but I'm just like Astro Boy seems like kids stuff. But maybe I'm wrong. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I'll tell you. Okay, let me make my pitch here for Astro Boy Omega Factor. First, a little story, <laughs> if you will, though. Omega Factor. <laughs> so I was I was in I think it was 2004. Uh, I was a young man and such, and I was going on a back. Pack only had a Game Boy Advance, uh, and so I literally played everything that came out for Game Boy Advance at that time period. I was just like desperate for Game Boy Advance games, and because um, I was traveling all over and all this, I had no access to anything else. The DS came out shortly after, and uh, I would have loved to have one of them, but I had the Game Boy Advance anyway. One of the games that I had zero expectations for at the time was this Astro Boy Omega Factor game. Now it is now listed in the Guinness Book of Records, or maybe not the Guinness. It's one of these, like, there's a book, like, 101 games you should play before you die, and it's listed as one of them. It is considered one of the great games of the Game Boy Advance. You'd probably be hard-pressed to find it, and I'd really like it if Nintendo made it easier to access these games, especially I'd love to play it on my new 3DS. Um, but the the concept of it is, like, it's it's made by Treasure, which is a company known for these sort of like shooters and uh, uh, Gunstar Heroes and all this sort of stuff. So they have a pretty good pedigree of quality games. Um, and you play through it, and it's when you finish the game, it, it starts getting crazy because then you can sort of go back in time and replay different bits and unlock secrets. I'm not doing it the best justice here, but it, it it's great in all the best ways imaginable. And it's not a game that you'd have any expectations for. Like, you know, I'm an adult like Astro Boy, but I start playing it in the shooting and the and the fighting and 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 the level design and everything. It is an amazing it is an amazing game. If you have a Game Boy Advance lying around, or you have the ability to download a ROM, you should play this game. It is a sweet game, and that's why it is my deep cut recommendation of the week. Deep cut. <laughs> I don't get the deep cut reference. Why is it a deep cut? Hang on. A deep a deep cut is like in in uh, it's music terms. Like if you're looking for like a, uh, a a single of a famous band would not be a deep cut, but uh, something oh, that's like, like a B side. Yeah, B side or track, okay. whatever, blah blah okay. blah. Yeah. Look at you uh, giving me tips on like music, lingo. life, music, yeah, yeah. anything. I'm, I can I'm, help people. I'm a pretty stupid guy. You're uh, not so. beyond help. All right, so I'm gonna make a recommendation. That's a good one. I probably won't play it though because it's on a handheld gaming device and I don't play with those. But um, you know, if you're out there and you're someone that plays on those devices, then uh, you know, check it out. Crofton's a pretty good recommender of games. Uh, my recommendation this week is uh, Path of Exile. Not a new game, however, there is a new sort of expansion. I haven't really checked it out, but there's a new bunch of content coming out. I'm excited to download and play some Path of Exile. Uh, it's basically, it, it's a lot of people say that Diablo 2 had a sequel, and that sequel is Path of Exile. Uh, given that it's cruel and merciless, has that dark gothic feel. I think it feels more like the first two Diablos from an art and aesthetic point of view. They re they really should have called it Diablo three if it's the sequel to <laughs> Diablo two. There'd be no legal problems having if they did that. Uh, Path of Diablo three. Um, Sweet. <laughs> but um, you know, I tend to like Diablo three just a smidgen better. 
Um, and maybe it's because of the addictive game loop in the game, as, as Crofton pointed out in his blog on the question mark. Um, but Path of Exile is no less addictive in the same manner. There's all kinds of loot drops and sweet shit. So I'm looking forward to playing it. I'm going to recommend it for anyone who's looking for a Diablo game but didn't like Diablo 3 or wants something a little deeper than Diablo 3. Honestly, the skill tree in this game is like Final Fantasy, I want to say, 8. Which one had the big wall of, like, materia? Uh, maybe it was ten. Seven is materia. There's, there's one in thirteen as well, but it's not as in depth. There was one ten with... is the sphere grid, and man, I'm a nerd. Oh, maybe it is ten that had the sphere grid. Yeah, it's 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 got a giant one thousand one hundred twenty five node grid um, that all the classes can use to like customize their characters in crazy ways. Uh, so I recommend Path of Exile. If you have, and you know what, free to play, and all the all the microtransactions are cosmetic or they just give you extra stash space and stuff. There was no, really eh? there was no and there's no gated content like huh. op- open this content faster or or get loot crates. No, it's all just um, pets and 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 costumes and and um, mm, cool. Yeah, and they're a New Zealand company. I know uh, you got ties to shut New Zealand, up, but uh, yeah, Grinding Gear Games is uh, New hey. Zealand. Hey, that's two connections to New Zealand because I played Astro Boy Omega Factor in New Zealand. There you go, man. I was backpacking in New Zealand at that time. Crofton Boy, the New Zealand Factor. All that's right. crazy. <laughs> so that's my gaming recommendation is uh, the good old Path of Exile. All right. That's good. Some would say that's somewhat of it. Well, I guess it's not that deep. Cut. I see it on Twitch all the time. But oh, I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of people that like if. Console gamers in particular had never probably never heard of that game, uh, so it's you know Cons- not console, super common. Console gamers Cons- get Diablo three. Their Diablo three is on consoles. I thought you said this was Path of Exile. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Diablo three would be mainstream, and Path of Exile wouldn't be. Oh, I uh, see. Because they're on a console, you know. All right. Well, I have played Path of Exile before. Like Diablo three, I didn't even pass the first act. Uh, but <laughs> but I I will say. Uh, I will say that I, I did feel that Diablo 2 connection. Definitely, it felt dirtier, grittier, and all that stuff. So I agree. Uh, I agree with what uh, what you're suggesting. It is a good game, and it's free. And you don't and you don't need a Game Boy Advance to play it. And it's not an early access. Oh, you might win this one, Bo. Play it now. All right. So that's my recommendation. Now we can give our fine listeners, like um, Sean Blur offline says. How do you guys have not more followers or viewers? So why don't we tell them, you know, where they can follow us and view us and all that stuff, Crofton? Oh, that's a good idea. So, Bo, there is one spot that they can go, and that's exmpodcast.com, and that's our website. Uh, on there, you got all the episodes at the exclamation mark. You also have my blog, the question mark. Um, so there's some read stuff when you can't do the listen, you know. It's pretty sweet. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at EXM Podcast. That'll we'll tell you when we're going live on Twitch. We'll we'll also have uh, updates throughout the week. You know, sometimes witty, sometimes smart, worth worth uh, listening to. Uh, uh, Facebook.com slash EXM Podcast. Um, we would love likes on Facebook. Everybody loves likes on Facebook. We use them to validate our existence. Validate e- us. 
validators please exmpodcast at gmail.com sometimes old-fashioned email is the best way to reach us especially if you want to write in with a topic to discuss on the dialogue tree or you you just have some sort of comments you want to share feel free to do that and obviously twitch.tv slash exmpodcast we record monday nights uh like tonight and uh we generally tweet out when we're going to go live but uh please subscribe to us on twitch as well you'll get a little notification there uh and finally uh, if you enjoyed Bo and my banter on the show we also have a second show with a friend of ours called good bad or bullshit and you can uh, find out more about that show on goodbadbull.com you can reach me on twitter at croft and steers but more importantly where can they reach Bo? you can find me at Bo schwartz it's my name you know what? We're pretty unique. Both of our Twitter handles are our names because, you know, we have pretty unique names. So follow me there. You'll find all of, you know, when our Heroes of the Storm games are being you know, live streamed and when EXM is going live to podcast and uh, all kinds of great shit on my Twitter feed. It is funny how we do have our, our real names because, like, whenever I create an email account now, I always think about my, my buddy Richard's email account is euromudslut at hotmail.com <laughs> and, and at one point he had that on his CV or something and I'm like I'm like you know I'm just going to stick with my regular name let's right. not go with the right. handle for now yeah exactly it's just you know I think we, we're sounding like people our age which is older mature people but like Old. you got to think of the long term consequences of picking your online handles folks um, yeah. Although to be fair, I do have uh, a misspelled Gorath. I, I go and squat on shit in Twitter. I don't know if you do that, but I have like six Twitter accounts. Sweet. I only use one, but you know, you never now, know when you're gonna need to change it up. Speaking of changing it up, we're gonna change this whole format for the one outro uh, that we do every week, which is called the Master Game Theater Quote of the Week. It's now time for Master Game Theater. This is like my favorite part of the show. Which is funny. It's the end. It means that you successfully completed a show so you get an achievement. Yeah. I got to keep you coming back. Maybe next time you'll get a legendary bow. Um, (laughs) Okay, this this quote uh, is going to be delivered by you. Oh, I'm okay. I got to do this? All right. Yes. It's from uh, Colonel Roy Campbell, who is uh, your handler in the Metal Gear Solid games. So when whenever your character Snake uh, passes on due to your own incompetence, Colonel Roy Campbell, well, he's got to let you. He's got to check in with you and let you know how things are going. So without further ado, uh, Bo is going to take his acting skills with a Z to school and deliver uh, this priceless quote from Colonel Roy Campbell. Snake. Snake.